All right. Genesis chapter 32. And uh, last week we were looking, uh, I think we started about verse 30 or 13, I mean, and uh, we went down to verse through verse 23. And we were looking at uh, Jacob's preparation for meeting uh encountering Esau, which is going to happen on the following day. Uh, And then in today's lesson, picking up in verse 24, uh, we have this very strange encounter that that Jacob has there on the bank of the Jabbok River. So uh, let's go back and look down at those verses 13 through 23 and and just kind of prime the pump here a little bit and see what we remember from last week. Okay, so he's got everybody across the river. He's got everybody south of the river, and then very, at the very end, it seems like, and, and as we'll see today, uh, or I guess probably next week we'll see it, uh, he ends up crossing the river again at the end of the day. No, we see that today in today's lesson. He ends up crossing the river. So it's pretty apparent he does go back over to the north bank and spends the night on the north bank, and, and we kind of speculate what. Actually, I... You know, I think if I were in his place uh, and I did that, it would probably be for the sake of just kind of being the rear guard uh, to kind of watch the the back end of things. But but we really don't know why he did that. So he was sending incremental gifts. Okay, he sent this whole entourage of gifts. Probably somewhere in the vicinity of close to 600 animals <laughs> that he sent uh, that he sent forward as kind of a peace offering to Esau. It was good psychology to do one one step and another step and another step. Kind of increases the magnitude of the gift, I think. At least the impression of the magnitude of the gift. Yeah, I think so. Kids, you don't give them. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, you know, if he just sent the whole the whole package all at once, it would probably be kind of overwhelming and and it'd just kind of be a you know kind of a passing thing. But by dragging it out the way he did or drawing it out the way he did, it it gives Esau time to kind of reflect and think on this thing as a process more than just kind of a one-time thing. What? Yeah, just his attitude a little bit of time, yeah. He also pointed out that he kept telling him, he kept telling Jacob's Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so he wanted Esau to know that Jacob is coming that Jacob is not just sitting passively back there just waiting for whatever happens, but that Jacob is taking the initiative and, and he's coming forward. So he's really kind of, in one sense, retaking the initiative from Esau, which he, he kind of lost when, when Esau heard he was coming and started to come to meet him with his 400 men. So, What are you laughing about, Tom? Guys, uh, you don't put animals together... 
Well, okay. 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 No, that's a that's a good point. Yeah, you're right. I'm not a farmer, so. You talked about the fear he was facing and and the night and the kind of image that we have, the unknown. And one of the things I I thought you were going to talk about, you didn't, but I think it really tied into that is crossing a river. Well, you know, we would go across the bridge, and it's, you know, no big deal at all. Mm-hmm. Crossing the river is usually dangerous. Yeah. And I don't know what this river was like, but shallow. But yeah. Apparently, they went across a place that is known for being shallow enough that you can go yeah. across. Mm-hmm. But still, there's danger. And then you add on top of that the fact that it's night. That is another level of danger. And then you think, because there's, you know, people out there, wild animals, whatever. And then you add on top of that the fact that maybe his brother's really upset. And, you know, the yep. warfare was a little different, but, you know, that's a very well-known strategy. You attack while they're crossing the river because yeah. the forces are divided and all that. Yeah. So there's a lot of danger potential habits that comes in. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was a very dangerous and time. And all the danger and all the fear together, it was uh, quite significant. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Well, which way was Esau coming from? He was coming from the south. That's what I thought. Yeah. I was kind of wondering why he wouldn't have stayed on the north side. At least for the head of the river, between him and Esau, slowed Esau down a little bit. He was attacking him. And I thought he was going south. He got everybody on over. I thought he would have like, kept everybody on the north side of the river. Actually, you know, that is a good question, and I think the answer is his faith. Uh, I, I think he just knew God wanted him to move forward, and he was going to move forward regardless. Uh, so, so even in the midst of all this fear and the precariousness of the situation, I think he just knew God wanted him back home, and he was going to move back home, and he was going to obey God, and uh, and uh, so this was just the next step that had to happen. And so, I mean, that's my explanation for it. I don't know if that's the right one or not, but, but it's a good question. Anything else? the same time if he was on the other side of the river and Esau came after him, it was slow Esau coming across the river. Uh, uh, coming to him. Right. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, that's possible too. Yeah. There's a lot of things we don't know. Okay. And part of the reason for that is because there are certain things it's clear the Lord does want us to know as this passage moves forward. And one of the things we're going to see today is in this encounter that we look at uh, in today's passage, uh, that he has with this strange man that seems to appear out of nowhere. Uh, there's just a lot of mystery in all of this. and uh, But there are some things that are really abundantly clear. And so that's those are the things we want to try and focus on. So let's pick up the passage then in verse uh, 24 and read down uh, to the end of the chapter. He says, Then Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When he saw, that is the man, saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of his thigh, and the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? 
And he said, Jacob, he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him and said, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob named the place Peniel, for he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been preserved. Now the sun rose upon him as he crossed over the Penuel, and he was limping on his thigh. Therefore, to this day, the sons of Israel do not eat the sinew of the hip, which is on the socket of the thigh, because he touched the socket of Jacob's thigh in the sinew of his hip. Well, here we have kind of the watershed encounter of Jacob with God. Now, Jacob's had other encounters with God, hasn't he? He, he encountered God at Bethel and he, uh, and he had uh, one or two dreams or encounters of some kind with, with God up there in Padanarum when he was in Padanarum. And, and uh, he's going to have other encounters after this. But this is really kind of the watershed encounter. This is, this is the event that, that really in the life of Jacob defines who Jacob ultimately becomes. Okay. So, so by the time we finish today's passage, Jacob is permanently crippled and he has a new name. Okay. So, it's, so it really is a, a, a life-changing event. And as we look at this, I, I want to try to understand this encounter of Jacob with God, but but in addition to that, I kind of want to ask, what does what does a really profound encounter with God look like? What what are the things we we can expect to see and experience when we have an encounter with God, something like perhaps what Jacob's had? Now, of course, none of us are going to really probably ever find ourselves wrestling all night with God but but uh, in in the sense that Jacob did but but I think as we move forward in our Christian life oftentimes or at, at certain times in our lives we really do have some profound experiences with God and and one of the things I want to try to think about and reflect on today is what does that look like and and one of the things that I think sticks out in this passage is something I already mentioned is is just the mystery of this. Okay? As you read this passage, it's there's just there's things about it that are just mysterious. What are some of the things in this passage that strike you as mysterious or unanswered? Well, there's been a whole lot of them. But the one that just now struck me is the health wealth doctrine just doesn't stand up. The blessing would have been I healed your hip and now <laughs> Okay. Okay. Well, I don't want to deal with the mystery of the health wealth gospel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is the mystery. Why would? I mean, I, I don't know why. It doesn't make any sense. Why did he? Yeah, why did why, he? Why, uh, why are you going to have well, a now? Well, we're going to. a reminder. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that because that's an important point. He said this so nonchalantly. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him. What happened here? Oh, you know, come, come on, Moses. Can't we do better than this? I mean, I can write a better story than that. 
<laughs> yeah, really. I mean, just out of the blue, you know. Yeah, well, I don't think so from what he says, because he says he saw God face to face. You know, you just said I can write a better story. I think Moses has proven that he can write a good story. Yes, so, yes, absolutely. So there's got to be a reason he didn't yeah. write yeah. a story. Yes, yeah, and, I, and that's uh, absolutely true. It, but it is striking, isn't it? We have this man, and he just describes him as a man. And it's not until we're halfway through the passage that we realize who this man is. Okay, it's just actually it's the pre-incarnate Christ that he's that he's wrestling with here. Okay, so but we don't discover that. So it, he, so it's like Moses is trying to create a mystery in this thing. You know, he's trying to leave it mysterious and ambiguous for us. Okay, and and you notice. We don't understand how this wrestling match even got started. We don't know what precipitated it. We, you know, uh, several commentators uh, assume, and and I think I kind of agree, uh, but I don't, I can't prove it from the text. But several commentators just assume that that this man, this obscure man, anonymous man, whoever, is the initiator. He's the one who who initiates this conflict with Jacob. And I, I kind of think that myself. But, but like I said, I can't prove it because Moses didn't tell us anything about how this whole scenario got started. And, and as I said, uh, I mentioned earlier that I, I kind of assumed that when Jacob went back across the river, he was just kind of trying to act as a rear guard. Or, you know, traveling in those days in that part of the world was a very dangerous proposition under the best of circumstances. And there were robbers and all kinds of people like out that, like that out there. So I'm I just kind of assume that when he went back across the river, his intention was to serve kind of as a rear guard. And what I envision happening here, but I can't prove it uh, from the text. But what I envision happening here is that this man comes in the dark. You know, he can't really see who he is or what he is. This man is coming and is intending. I think gives the impression that he's intending to cross the river and harm Jacob's family. Uh, I, that's just what I read into the text. You know, that I think he anticipates that this guy is going to somehow harm his family and that's what precipitates this resonance. But, like I say, we don't know it. It's a mystery. And it's left for us to maybe speculate or wonder about. The other thing we don't know is we don't know how long the fight lasted. We really don't because it doesn't say... It just says he wrestled till daybreak. We don't know if it started, you know, just... Right after he got the family uh, back safely across the river, and he cr- we don't know when it started. We don't know how long it went on. I remember the kids. They talked about Jacob wrestled all night. We assume all night, yeah. And, and I assume that it was a long wrestling match, but he really doesn't tell us how long it went on. What else? That's a long time to wrestle, whether it's half a night or all. That's right. <laughs> and the other. Well, obviously he knew he was some guy. If, 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 you know, one, if you're wrestling with God, why God can't win? The yeah. other one is, yeah. if the guy could touch his hip and disable him, why didn't he just Yeah. Or if he wanted to win? Yeah. And so the whole thing is... Yeah. 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 Okay, good. Well, these are all good thoughts, and these are the things that come to our mind when we read this passage. Yeah, right. To me, like, he 
Okay, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. You know why he says, and when he saw that he had not prevailed, now, that that seems like a strange realization. You know, I I tried, well, I can't do it, so now I'm going to talk about microsafe. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. You guys are thinking. This is good. You got your thinking caps on. Well, some of these things I'm going to attempt to answer tonight, today, and some of them I'm just going to let you wonder about because I don't have an answer for them, but. But the first thing that strikes us in this passage as we begin to read is what? The very first thing. He's alone. Here's this this guy at the most, really the most vulnerable point in his life, or at least certainly the most, most vulnerable point in his life for a considerable period of time. Uh, this is really this is really a crisis point in the life of Jacob. And when God determines that it's time to really confront Jacob and make the changes in Jacob's life that God wants to make, what does he do? He gets him alone in a corner. And so here's Jacob and he's on the north bank there of the river. And, and all of his support mechanism is off there somewhere in the dark on the other side of the river. His family, his wives, you know, we, we, we saw how his wives were supportive of him and helped him when he wanted to leave Peyton Aram and how Rachel bailed him out of a difficult situation there when Laban caught up with him. You know, his support mechanism, the, the wives that have stood by him and helped him and, and, and that sort of thing, they're all off somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. The family's all off over there. The servants are all over there or off traipsing off towards Esau with all those animals. And He doesn't have any servants. He doesn't have his wives. He doesn't have his family. He doesn't have his kids around him. He doesn't have any support mechanism. All his possessions are gone. He doesn't have anything to barter with. He doesn't have anything to negotiate with. Everything is gone. He is just absolutely, totally alone in the dark. And that is the point in Jacob's life when God determines that he wants to encounter Jacob and accomplish a life-transforming work in Jacob's heart and in Jacob's mind. And you know, we don't we don't like being alone. <laughs> Because when we're alone, it discloses and it reveals that we really are vulnerable. And that we really are at God's mercy. And that's what Jacob needs to recognize. Jacob needs to recognize Jacob is a guy who has lived by his wits and has lived by the power of the flesh his whole life. And that's going to change tonight. And for that to happen, Jacob has to be alone. And, and, and as I said, as we reflect on this passage and ask ourselves, what does an encounter with God look like? Oftentimes, that's what it looks like. That our, that our most profound experiences with God and encounters with God don't come when we have our whole support mechanism 
around us to lean on. It's when God has pulled the rug out from under us and we're all alone. And everything that we would normally lean on or rely on to help us is gone. That's where we need to be if God wants to do, if God's going to be able to do the things in our life that He wants to do. So He's all alone. Rick, I think yeah. you could probably make a pretty good case for that that you just described as being idolatry. Oh, yeah. Leaning on, yeah. depending on all those mm-hmm. other things yeah. rather than God. Yeah. It's so easy to do. Yeah. Yeah. Part of life. Absolutely. Well, and then, and then the next thing we have is we just have this man. As we've mentioned, he, you know, he just, there's no explanation. There's just this man, and he wrestles with Jacob all night. And, uh, you know, it's not, it's not the kind of way I would like to spend a night, <laughs> you know, wrestling with some strange man. It's, it's, obvious, it's obvious by the, just the circumstance that this, this man, Jacob, perceives as an adversary. He perceives him as an opponent. Okay? You don't wrestle all night with somebody like this unless there's, unless there's some issue there. Okay? And like I say, we don't know what precipitated this wrestling match, uh, this struggle. We don't know how it started. We don't know why it started. But, but one of the things that seems pretty clear is that in, in Jacob's encounter with God here, it starts out with God as his adversary. And, and the, reason, the reason for that is, Jacob has lived his whole life seeking after, grabbing after, going after something that he wanted, something he thought he wanted. And it started when he was in the womb. Grabbing onto his brother's heel. And all of his life, he's been a heel grabber. Now, as we've seen in the story, as we've, uh, as we've looked at the story as it's gone forward, uh, it, it's clear he has grown. He has matured. But that, that root characteristic in Jacob that, that has some sense of what he wants or, or what he's hungering after or what he's desiring after in life and his determination that he can somehow get it himself has been the defining characteristic of his life. So that up to this point, his name is what? Supplanter, heel grabber, Jacob. It's not a complimentary name. It's a name of disrepute. It's the name that Esau accentuates when he comes in and finds his brother has stolen the birthright. And he says, how rightly he has been called Jacob. Because he has supplanted me these times. Okay. So it's a, name, it's a disreputable name. Okay. And it's characteristic of Esau's... Char- or excuse me, of Jacob's character. Now... This, this was hard for us to wrestle with early in the story because it was pretty clear how, how fleshly Jacob was, if we can use that term, how carnal Jacob was in, in, in his efforts to kind of get the birthright and get the blessing and all that sort of thing. 
but 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 it is clear that whatever Jacob understood about the birthright and the blessing, and I think over a period of time he comes to understand what's really involved in it. He always wanted it. He always wanted that blessing or that birthright. And I don't think he understood the spiritual nature of it. And so and so he he strove through his life up to this point. He's he's always tried to get it by some power of the flesh, some some something that he does that he, he can somehow get this blessing or this birthright. And I and I just think how in our lives it's the same way. We have these uh, we have these things in our lives that we really yearn for. We have things, and sometimes we don't even know what they are. We we think we do, but they're really, but we really don't. But we we long for we long for things like security. And so we do all kinds of things to make ourselves secure, and we and we don't really recognize and realize that that's, that that real security comes from the Lord. Or or maybe we. Maybe one of the things we just want from in life is is uh, acceptance and recognition or fame. Now, most of us wouldn't say I want to be famous, but in one sense, we 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 find ourselves yearning for, and we find ourselves doing things in life just to be thought well of. And so we do all kinds of really stupid and harmful things just so people will think well of us. Well, there's nothing wrong with being thought well of. I think God's put that desire in our heart. But who is it we want to be thought well of? By. It's God, isn't it? It's not man. It's God. Okay. So Jacob has these, these desires and, and he, he sees them as, he sees them as one thing, but they, but 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 God knows that what He really wants is this spiritual blessing. And but because He's not seeing the spiritual dimension of it, He's He's doing all this manipulation and all these different things. Okay, now now that is offensive to God. That's obnoxious to God. And so Jacob, when he's supplanting. Jacob, when he's deceiving, Jacob, when he's heel grabbing, he is acting as God's enemy. And when God wants ultimately to bless Jacob, when God wants ultimately to do this transforming work in Jacob's life, God comes to him as an adversary. And hence, this long night of wrestling. Because there's something in Jacob that offends the holiness of God. And God needs to deal with that. So what we have is we have this paradox in this passage that God is both adversary and blesser. And, and he is the adversary because there are things in Jacob's life that are obstructing the thing that God really wants to do, which is to bless him. And so, that, so, so, uh, so God comes to Jacob then in this, in this sense of being an opponent, and they begin to wrestle. Yeah, Mike. So 
what you said triggered a thought that I hadn't thought of before. You referred to the womb where they wrestled with him Esau. And I was thinking that, you know, why would God pick this method? He, he uses different methods to deal with people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jacob started before he was even born wrestling and striving, and his whole life he'd striven with everybody he'd run into. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like this is the way God. That's interesting. To deal with him. Yeah. And, and to show him ultimately, it's not with all these people that is your conflict. Yeah. It's a spiritual issue and your real conflict is with God. Is, is with me. Yeah. Surrender to me or, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And maybe that has something to do with it. So know. it's kind of like a bookend, isn't it? He starts wrestling by grabbing Jacob's or Esau's heel, and, and it, it kind of ends, and that period of his life ends with this this final wrestling match with God. Yeah, wrong. Well, that's that's uh, that's an important question. Uh, it is clear at some point he does, but we don't know. But but it has to be a pretty terrifying experience. First of all, it's a terrifying experience just to meet a stranger in the dark and have to wrestle with him all night. That's pretty scary. But at some point in that process, he realizes he's wrestling with God. Yeah. That that had to be a real eye-opener. <laughs> you know, uh, a, a real terrifying thing. But you'll notice that Jacob's response, once he recognizes it's God, is he recognizes then that this is the one who holds the key to what he really wants. So he doesn't give up at that point. He doesn't go, oh, whoa, this is God. I, you know, I shouldn't be doing this. You, know, you don't wrestle with God. You don't fight with God. You know, isn't that interesting? Because, see, we have this spiritual view that you don't wrestle with God. You don't fight with God. But, folks, but we, we go ahead. We wrestle... We wrestle daily with God, but it's in verbal context. Yeah. I was thinking that sometimes you wrestle with someone until one of you can't win, <clears throat> and then he comes to blows, and then when he comes to blows, then he wins the turn. So uh, I kind of look at this as if they wrestle. When you meet somebody in the dark, first of all, you say, Who are you? Who are you? Yeah, yeah. Don't get close to me. Yeah. 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 So you wrestle that way, and then when it came to blows, then when the angel realized he wasn't going to win, and Jacob realized he wasn't going to win, the angel touched him and then said, "Oh, that hurt." Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, you know, it said it didn't let him go. I don't know how you would restrain him unless you actually did. Well, yeah, I want to talk about that, and we'll get to that because that's that's a good question. Oh, I'm mentioning my friend Steve. Uh, and his prayer request and his marriage. He said over the last year, he, and I didn't mention to him that we were studying Jacob, he said, over this last year, I've learned how to wrestle with God. And I thought, well, oh, that's interesting. So he, <laughs> he went on to talk about when he had, he's got two boys, and when they were young, you know, of course, he's, you know, the kid's five years old, and he's powerful. Everybody knows he's going to win, but he let his son think mm-hmm. he was going to win. Oh, yeah, that was a good shot, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And he knew how to be gentle with him. Yeah. And so Steve was painting this whole picture of what we're talking about now. Yeah, about yeah. God is obviously powerful. He knows how to inflict harm if he wanted to, but he doesn't. He knows how it's like a loving father who's wanting to get the son involved in this way of a relationship yeah. and uh, all that. So. Yeah. 
and, and and that comes back to the the point I was I was getting ready to make is that I, I think sometimes in a, a hyper spiritualized context we can think well you know you don't you don't fight with God you know it's just, you don't fight with God you just, you know whatever God wants he gets and you don't but clearly Jacob does fight with God he really struggles with things and 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 I don't know why God wants our relationship with him to be like this but. But he clearly puts us in places where we have to struggle with him. Where we can't get... I can identify with God coming to me or putting a realization I need to do something. I don't want to do it or I need to surrender something. I don't want to do it. And it goes on for days. And mm-hmm. It's kind of like wrestling. I mean, I argue here, here, and... and, and God, and I think that's how he realized it was God, because God never took him out. And in other words, he, he began to realize this guy's had several opportunities to whip me and he hadn't done it. So it's, he's not here for just to beat me up. He's here for something else. That's a good point, yeah. Because I, I found the same thing. You know, I, and we can probably all identify, you know, when you're going against God, trying to persuade differently or persuade yourself you can't do this, and eventually you just say, I can't win against God. Yeah. And yet God is not out there trying to destroy you. He's just letting you... Yeah. He's just giving enough power to let you know you can't win against Yeah. Well, and that's the interesting thing here is that... Is that... So here's God wrestling with Jacob and it says when he saw he could not prevail, saw he did not prevail against him. And you go... You know, this doesn't make any sense. But it makes perfect sense, you know, using the example, uh, Jim, that you just cited. It makes perfect sense, you know, for all of us as guys who have raised boys, you know, we know what that's like, you know, to wrestle with them and fight with them, and, but you don't overwhelm them. And what's clear here is that God is restraining Himself. In fact, the phrase that came to my mind as I was thinking about this yesterday was that phrase from, from Philippians 2 where it says He emptied Himself. And what we have here with God in his wrestling with Jacob is that in order to do in Jacob's life what God wanted to do, he emptied himself. He wrestled with Jacob as a man and not as God. And he wrestled with him. And then it says, when he saw he did not prevail, what did he do? Well, what did he do? He touched the socket of his thigh. Okay. He touched the socket of his thigh and dislocated his socket. Dislocated his thigh. Okay. I found it interesting he didn't say, and I put him in a full Nelson that did this thing and this thing. It's not like some special move. Yeah, yeah. He just touched his thigh and knocked it out of joint. Well, okay. I was, uh, a couple weeks ago, I was... uh, as I often have to do in my line of work, I was up on a roof. And uh, and I'm always conscious of this when I'm on a roof because it's happened before, but it hasn't happened in many years. But I was on this roof for several hours uh, that day doing some prep work and stuff and on another part of the house. And then later that night, I was sitting at my computer uh, about 9 o'clock at night, and I went, my knee hurts. My knee hurts. And over the course of the next day, next couple of days, it hurt worse and worse and worse. Okay. And what had happened was, you know, walking on that sloped roof, you know, and doing all the things you do, working on a sloped roof, you know, put my knee, did something to my knee, you know. 
And it's taken a couple of weeks for it to really get to a point where it's starting to behave itself, you know. And and so for the last week or two, I've been a little limited in, you know, how quickly I could move and things I could do and and, and that sort of thing. Now, here's Jacob and he's in a wrestling match. And his thigh is dislocated. Now, I don't I'm not a wrestler. But I'd be willing to say that you you really probably can't wrestle very good when your thigh's out of joint, right? <laughs> and the socket of your thigh is out of joint. You know, when your hip's out of joint, you really can't wrestle well. What's really happened here is that is that God has taken away his leverage. If your if your hip is out of joint, you don't have any leverage to wrestle with. You use your legs, and you're constantly doing this kind of thing, you know. And and now suddenly he can't do that. So he's been in this wrestling match with God for who knows how long at this point, but for a good part of the evening or night, apparently. And 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 now suddenly God says, okay, now he realizes that he's not prevailing over Jacob. And so he knocks Jacob's thigh out of joint. What's going on there? I guess I'm looking at it a little different than that. I mean, if God wants to wear, he could. He just stomps and you're done. But, you know, like what you know, a couple of our said, wrestle along, wrestle along, was it a test for Jacob? But see, how much do you really want this? Okay, you're not going to give up. Now, I'm going to end the fight and let's get on with why I'm really here. Well, sort of, yeah, I think. But I don't think he's wanting to end the fight. I think he's wanting to change the nature of the fight. So what he does is he takes away Jacob's ability to wrestle. Okay? He takes away Jacob's ability to wrestle. And what he's doing is he's saying to Jacob, Jacob, you know the way you've been doing this all along? It's wrong. It's carnal. The way you've lived your life up to this point has been carnal and it has been wrong and it's been displeasing to me. And if you want to prevail with me, you're going to have to change the way you fight. And so he takes out his sock of his thigh. Now he cannot wrestle. Okay, now, Jacob, what does Jacob want from this man he's wrestling with? He wants a blessing. Okay. Okay, which he already has. Yeah, okay. He, ha- he thinks he has this blessing. That's an interesting point. He thinks he has this blessing that he wrangled out of his father, deceived out of his father. But you'll notice when push comes to shove and he's got to confront Esau again, and he has this blessing that says that he will rule over his brother. He has that blessing from his father. It's not enough. He recognizes, he realizes he's got, he's got to have something more. And now he's encountered the one who can give it to him. And what God is saying to him at this point when he dislocates his thigh is he's saying, Jacob, your whole life you've been a heel grabber. Your whole life you've been, you've been trying to get this blessing by every possible fleshly means you can. And now I'm going to take away that possibility. Now you can no longer wrestle me for this blessing. So what does he do? 
What does Jacob do when he can no longer wrestle? He just hangs on. You see that? The whole nature of the, of, the, of the conflict changes. It's no longer a wrestling match. Now, the man is saying, let me go. And you get this picture of Jacob's just got his arms around his leg. And he's just not going to let him go. But that's not all. Turn over to the book of Hosea. You go, Hosea? Uh, and in chapter 12 of Hosea, Hosea, uh, speaking on behalf of God, is urging Israel to come back and deal with God. And so what he does is he, he reminds Israel of what their namesake, what uh, Israel's namesake did, that is Jacob. And it says, in verse 3 it says, In the womb he took his brother by the heel, and in his maturity he contended with God. Yes, he wrestled with the angel and prevailed. And what? And wept and sought his favor. Boy, we didn't see that in Genesis, did we? And that puts a whole different light on this thing, doesn't it now? Because what, what we see happening now is Jacob is just holding on for dear life and he's not going to let this man go. And he's literally weeping. He wants this blessing so bad He's weeping and seeking or praying for the blessing. And Jacob is transformed. Jacob is no longer the heel grabber in the sense of of one who by his own cleverness and his own manipulation and by the power of the flesh manages to get what he wants. But now he recognizes that whatever he wants, God has got And if he wants it from God, he's going to get it by simply hanging on to God for all he's worth and weeping and praying and asking God to give it to him. Is that not a... I keep trying to figure this out in relation to my own life and other people you've read about. But that's the way you prevail with God. Absolutely. And your flesh, you're fighting, you're fighting. So at some point you realize, I cannot... And and isn't that exactly what Jesus is teaching us when he's teaching us about prayer and about importunity? And you just keep asking. And what Jesus is telling us there is, you know, you're not going to get these things from God by some kind of marvelous display of human power. When I was thinking about God dislocating Jacob's thigh, I was remembering how the psalmist says he does not take pleasure in the legs of a man or the strength of a horse. He doesn't take pleasure in those things. But what does he take pleasure in? He takes pleasure in the person who will just grab a hold of him and cling to him and weep and pray and weep and pray and hold on and hold on and hold on and hold on until he gets the blessing. 
and all of our prowess and all of our fleshly displays and all of our, our cleverness, all of that does not phase God. It does not move God. But when we become a person who just grabs onto whatever part of God we can grab onto and then just weeps and prays and weeps and prays and weeps and prays, that melts the heart of God and moves Him to bless us. And that's what's happening here with Jacob. And so now Jacob is transformed. And so God, God then says to Jacob, He says, what is your name? Well, what's the significance of that? It's confession time, isn't it? It's confession time. Jacob has to say, I'm a heel grabber. It's what I am, God. I'm a heel grabber. And then Jacob says, or God says to Jacob, he says, well, I'm going to give you a new name. Now you're a God wrestler. Now you're a God wrestler. Because you have wrestled with God and with men and have prevailed. With men? You see, when he got the blessing from God, the problem with Esau was resolved. He doesn't know it yet because he hasn't met Esau. He'll meet him the next day. That's a glorious story. The meeting of Jacob and Esau is like the reconciliation of Joseph to his brothers. It is just absolutely glorious. But it's a work that God did at that moment that Jacob got the blessing from God on the north bank of the Jabbok River. It happened in a real place. You could actually go there today and stand there on that place where God was prevailed on by Jacob and blessed him and gave him a new name. And and then Jacob does this really thing, really weird thing that's really not particularly complimentary. <laughs> Because God had just asked him for his name and he said, I'm Jacob. And then Jacob, it just kind of, it's kind of like he's turning the tables on God and he says, oh, what's your name? Now, don't, don't read into that that Jacob doesn't know he's wrestling with God because it's already been stated that he's wrestling with God. God has already told him you've wrestled with God and prevailed. Okay, so he knows he's wrestling with God. So the question is, what is Jacob asking there? Well, he's not asking if this one is God. He's asking, what is this God's name? Do we have another example of that in Scripture? I think of Samson. When uh, the angel of the Lord came to Manoah. And, mm-hmm. he said, yeah. Before he left, he said, publish your name. There he said, I think, too wonderful, too wonderful for you. Yeah. And Moses asked too. Yeah, and that's the one I, I that's the primary one I think of is Moses. Okay, here's Moses. He's at the burning bush, right? And he knows he's dealing with God. He's taken off his sandals, he's worshipped, he's done so he knows he's dealing with God. 
But when God tells him to go to go back to Egypt to the Israelites, he says, whom will I say sent me? So, so I don't think here that Jacob is yet unaware that he's wrestling with God. And he clearly knows he's wrestling with God, but, but he wants some name. And what's interesting is that God doesn't give it to him. And, and because, and I think the reason that God doesn't give it to him here, and it really doesn't tell us why, but I think what's going on here is, is uh, in our encounters with God, as with Jacob here, it gets pretty intimate. Right? God gets pretty intimate with us. And it's very easy for us when we develop an intimate relationship with God to develop a cavalier relationship with God. It's very easy to fall into the trap of thinking he's my buddy. God's not your buddy. He's still God. And what, what God is saying here is, okay, what we've been through here together tonight has been a pretty intimate thing. But don't you forget, I'm still God. I am still a mighty, majestic, glorious, unapproachable, dwelling in unapproachable light God. And don't you forget that. Always keep that in mind. Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, then just kind of hurrying on to the end of the story. Um, this is so this is so beautiful. Well, notice first in verse 30, it says, Jacob named the place Peniel. Uh, for he says, I have seen God face to face and and my life has been preserved. See, he recognizes that God has restrained himself there. He sees that. Okay. But then notice verse 31. Now the sun rose upon him just as he crossed over the canoe. The sun rose on Jacob. So after this long, long night of fear and wrestling, we have this daybreak of blessing. I'm reminded of the psalmist. He says, the weeping should last for the night. The shout of joy comes in the morning. And so here's Jacob. And, and it's just this beautiful picture of now he's crossing, he's crossing the penul here. There's, uh, the, uh, the difference of the name there is just the difference in the Hebrew spelling. It's not particularly significant. But, but he's... But he's crossing the penul, and as he's crossing the penul, the light shines down on him. It's like God saying, okay, this is a new day. This is a new day, Jacob. And the reason it's a new day is because the old Jacob's been left over there on the other side of the river. And the man who comes across the river and rejoins his family is now a new man. He's been transformed by wrestling with God all night and hanging on until he got the blessing. And in a few moments, he's going to look up and he's going to see Esau coming over the hill. 
But he's going to do it with a completely different perspective than he had when he crossed the river the night before to go back and be alone. Because he's wrestled with God. And because God has dislocated his thigh. And so from this point forward, there are two things that are established uh, in Jacob's life as a remembrance of this night. And one is, he now has a new name. He's the God wrestler. He's no longer wrestling with his brother or with his dad or with Laban or with other people. But now he has learned to wrestle with God. And that's what God wants. He wants us to quit fighting with everybody else and come to Him and work out our problems with Him. That's what He wants. And we don't need to be afraid to do that because what we see in the story of Jacob is God restrained Himself. He didn't crush Jacob. He didn't overwhelm Jacob. He wrestled with him. He pushed him to the limit. He wounded him. As one commentator calls it, it was a severe mercy. He wounded him, but he wounded him so that he could bless him. And so he has a new name and he has a limp. And of course, it doesn't say anything about it, but I, as I was reflecting on this yesterday, I was thinking at the end of his life, when he goes to see Pharaoh there in Egypt and Joseph brings his dad up to see Pharaoh and he goes up and, 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 and Jacob approaches Pharaoh. Wouldn't you love to have been there and seen him limping up there to see Pharaoh? Because for the rest of the life, he had that mark that he'd been blessed by God. But Israel as a nation was also blessed in that night. And so from that time forward, Moses is saying to the children of Israel out there in the wilderness, he's saying to them, you know why you people never eat the sign of the hip? This is why you never eat the sinew of the hip. Because Jacob, your father, wrestled with God and secured for you the blessing. And so it's their way. It's Israel's way of remembering that their identity is wrapped up in what Jacob did there on the banks of the Jabbok River. Well, next week, he's going to face Esau.